0: Welcome back to the Curator Salon podcast. I'm Geeta Joshi, and my guest again is Ryan Stania from The Other Art Fair. And today I wanted to pose to him all the questions that you guys put uh, sent in to me about taking part in the fair. So welcome back, Ryan. Hi. So let's get straight into it. Uh, one of the questions that's come in is... Um, Well, I won't say who it's from. We'll let them be anonymous. Um, And the question is, I'd love to know if it's open to artists who aren't currently with representatives. I've heard it's super exclusive or for people freshly graduating art school. um, But I have no idea if that's true. What are your
1: thoughts on that one? Okay. Um, So the way that the selection process works, and this is consistent with every single fair that we run, is that all artists, um, I mean, the only sort of criteria we say is you don't have an exclusive representation with a gallery. The only reason why we say that as well is that we don't want to cause any conflict with the gallery. We're not against the gallery system in any shape or form. We invite galleries along to the fair, we encourage them to come along, find artists, discover artists, and hopefully sign them up, right? So that's the best case scenario. So the fair is completely open to any artist that doesn't have this representation. You can apply online, so it's just an application online. You go on, you complete all your details, include your artist statement, your CV, four images of your work, Instagram handle, uh, your website address, and then we have a look at that. Now, the selection, in terms of like the exclusivity behind it, the selection process is that we choose a different selection committee for every single fair. And the reason for that is that it's a new bunch of eyes, group of eyes, I don't even want to call it pairs of eyes, um, that look at the work and just give a different view. Um, And so that hopefully, by doing that, not the same artists are accepted every time. Of course, there's a lot of crossover. Of course, I mean, usually about 50% of artists that do each fair have done a fair before. So that's, a, that's kind of gives you a bit of a, an idea. So if we've got 140 artists, 70 artists, have no, you know, there's almost like 70 open art, uh, open places, generally speaking. That's how it works. And in terms of like what we're looking for, uh, it's definitely not exclusive to any artist that's just graduated. Um, there are lots of artists that participate within the fair that are self-taught artists, so they haven't even gone to university at all. Um, there's definitely not a bias to, I mean, I think this is the key behind the fair, and this is the, the approach we've always taken, there's no bias in any direction. So all we have in front of us is, and when I say we, it's not myself, it's actually the committee um, that they go through, it, and really all they're looking at is the work. So. I mean, we've had artists that have participated. There's one that that sort of I remember, he's like an 85 year old artist who started painting as a 20 and 30 year old, went off, had a career, then went back to painting later on in life. And the work was great and he got selected because um, I've really noticed that actually there's quite a, a broad age range of people as well yeah. which I really
0: like actually I yeah. mean I think that really shows the diversity of the art scene you know within the UK that you know showing the London fairs
1: yeah and I think that's consistent across all of our fairs um, okay so
0: the next question I've got here is from somebody that is thinking about going to the other art fair in the future she says she had a really good experience at another artist fair this year or last year I guess now 2019 um, she says the other art fair is obviously a much bigger financial commitment for an artist to take part I wonder what advice Ryan would give to artists of thinking of applying, who are unsure about the financial risk involved, and if their work would have an audience in that context, and can you suggest any other testing grounds that an artist could consider towards a full stand at the fair?
1: Yeah. What are Um, your
0: thoughts on that one?
1: Okay, so we've got a few thoughts. Yeah. Um, First of all, it's great if she's had a good experience at another fair. Um, If they did well, then I mean, you know, go back and do it again, for sure. Um, In terms of the financial commitment, I mean, I guess taking a booth at any fair costs money, you know, because ultimately that money for the booth goes into the production, the marketing, the overheads, everything. Putting on that fair on. Um, I don't know whether they've actually visited the other art fair. I mean, before even applying, I'd highly recommend that, you know, come to the fair, experience it, see what it's like. Speak to other artists, get their feedback. You know, don't just sort of take it at face value of what you think. I mean, ask the opinion of artists that are sort of consistently doing the fair. so that's that point
0: I think that's a really important thing actually you know researching the fairs before they take part I mean that um, but also you know in, in doing that they're talking to other artists but also assessing if their work would be the right fit for it you Yeah. Know, they can be looking at price points and things like that no, as well exactly.
1: I mean and that's something that we work on if you're accepted to the other art fair I mean just to give you a little bit of a context as well just going back to the selection committee uh, question we usually have for each London fair you have around a thousand applications and we have between 140 150 stands for that in terms of the financial commitment, yes, there's a big financial commitment in actually doing the fair, but also, interestingly, at the last fair in London, we sold 1,400 artworks over the four days, or three and a half days. So if there's, I mean, in basic maths, if there's 140 booths, that's, on average, every artist will send, sell 10 works. Now, of course, that ranges from 100 pounds print up into a 5,000 pounds painting and everything in between. We work with artists, we do a workshop beforehand. We help advise people on what works to show. We recommend that they show at different price points um, just so they've always got a work accessible to whoever they're talking to that's interested in their work. Um, and I guess the most, I mean, like, however much a booth is, I think the most interesting thing is what's your, you know, what are you gonna get back in return? you what's your return? It might be 1,500 pounds for a booth, but then what's on average the return you get back on that? If it's three or four times that amount, then it's worth it. I mean, if you're paying 500 pounds for a booth somewhere, somewhere and you're not getting any return, then that doesn't work either, does it?
0: And I think the other thing to address on that one is that you can't be 100% reliant on that fair. You know, you have to do your own marketing as an individual. You know, you have to drive your own audience and be telling people on social media or your email list or whoever it is to actually come down and see you at that fair and use that as an event where people can come and see you in person that you might have met or invited online. Yeah. So I don't think you can be... 100% hundred percent reliant on just, you know, the no. other art fair and their marketing team getting people through the door. Yeah. I think it is a collaborative
1: effort for an artist to take part. Definitely it is. And You know, the most successful artists that sort of do the fair year on year are the ones that actually take that approach. You know, they use it as their showcase, let's call it every six months, to actually show a new body of work, a new story to tell. They reach out to their existing and potential buyers. Um, You know, they use it as their solo show. You know, it's different. It's kind of your opportunity a little bit like, you know, it's quite hard to get somebody to come to your studio and walk through the door and see your work, but actually inviting them to the art fair is a lot easier because you send them a nice invitation and they get to come and experience the whole event they can bring a partner and you know it sort of all builds into the same thing also we work up with artists to say you know data capture at the fair as well so anyone that's interested in your work write their details down email on them on the monday not the tuesday the monday after the fair just saying the work that you like it's still available um you know are you interested in it I mean, all these things, it's not just a case of, you know, turning up to the fair and hoping that you're going to sell up your booth and then you go home. Some people do that, but most people won't. Um,
0: Excellent advice. So it's all repeated, <laughs> all the stuff I say, so I'm glad to hear you say it too. All right, let's move on to the next question.
1: It's the boring bit as well, can I say. It's the boring bit of being an artist, you know.
0: But it's it's the difference between, the, it's the business side it. Of is it is the business and, side. And I think if you're going to make an investment in a booth at a fair, then you have to sort of take part in more than just turning up with a stiffy bag full of canvases, right? Sure. You, you've got to, yeah. you know, sort of accept that this there is this other aspect, and that is about making the connections with the people.
1: Yeah. Um, another point I'd like to make is that a lot of artists would come to us and say, oh, it's expensive for a booth. Now, yes, it is. For anybody it is. Really, anybody it is. And it's an investment. Now, I mean, there are lots of artists that we've worked with, and I see this a lot they will finance their booth by like running a Kickstarter campaign. Um, they had, I remember this one artist actually, he was working at Nando's serving at Nando's at the time and he got selected for the fair. He reached out to his employer and said, look, I've got this, I'm an artist on the side. I've got this stand at this art fair. I can't afford to pay for it. You know, can you help in any way? Nando's actually paid for his booth. So it's just thinking a little bit, and I hate the cliche, but it's like thinking outside of the box of other ways of financing it as well. It's not just a case of it coming out, you know, there are other ways that you can get it paid.
0: Yeah, rather than always putting it on a credit card. Yeah. Okay, so the next couple of questions are, I'm going to just blend them actually, they are about the selection process for um, getting into the art fair. They are, uh, what can make or break an artist being selected for the fair? And what factors go into an artist being selected for the fair? So what are your thoughts around those questions?
1: Okay, so just to, just to sort of um, point out again, so the, the selection committee is new for every fair, and we sort of ask the selection committee, who by the way are not paid, they're just doing it at their own free time, uh, to go onto an online site, and then go through and choose artists based really on the quality of their work. And whatever their interpretation of that is, then, I mean, they're looking for things like, you know, they want to see an artist that's, you know, an actively um, practicing artist, um, that they are, you know, they've got an up-to-date website um, and that sort of thing. So they're not looking for any like particular theme, It's such, It's just really a case of the quality of the work. Um, I would also say that the selection process is not a perfect, you know, it's, it's not a perfect system. And what I mean by that is that if we've got a thousand applications and you've got five people going through a thousand applications and a thousand different pages of applications, or then you know, I always think, of, and I've done it many times, I've gone through them, you know, it takes a lot of time. And there is a bit of a fatigue that sets in after a while. And unfortunately, you know, with that many applications, I mean, it's not a case of, that. it's not always gonna be exactly the best 140 get in. So there are many brilliant artists that don't get in. And it, yeah, and unfortunately, you know, there's an aspect of, you know, it's, it's just kind of not perfect. In, a, in an ideal scenario, we'd hire a room, we'd get all the artists that come in, they'll present their work, we could think about it and actually meet them directly. That's an ideal scenario. Um, but unfortunately, with time and restrictions and all these sorts of things in place, you know, it's just not the case. But I mean, I would urge people to, you know, after they've applied, it's always worth sending an email as well. Always worth sending an email through to the team, just saying, hey, I don't know if you've seen my application. You know, I'm really keen to do the fair and that sort of thing. Um, I think there's also something about being sort of a self-representing artist. Um, Unfortunately, there's sort of like this sort of entrepreneurial aspect of this like business approach that you have to take. And this sort of flows into, you know, this goes beyond just applying for the art fair. It's, you know, you have to have an up-to-date Instagram account. You know, that's what people use now. Um, I know many artists that sort of use uh, Instagram as a way of, you know, it's their main channel of selling artwork. Uh, you have to have an up-to-date website with available work on it. Um, if you're applying to the other art fair, I mean, you need an act- active Saatchi Art account. Um, I mean, that uh, lots of people ask me, and I'm sure it came up in the Rebecca Wilson interview, um, you know, how do you get seen on Saatchi Art? Now, the n- number one thing is you need to be active on it. The accounts have sort of slipped down are the ones that just sit there dormant you know it's not gonna you know nobody's gonna look at it if there's nothing no activity on it we don't know what you as an artist are up to um so you know there is this other side to just showing your work creating and then showing your work you need to sort of focus on and we look for that in the in the selection process
0: which i think is really interesting because you know that The fair, you know, we mentioned on a previous question around the investment around it. It actually is showing, you know, that commitment to their art practice and actually getting it out to market, because obviously this is a very commercial approach. But actually doing the legwork themselves as well, like building their profile online, you know, whether it's through social email list or other things yeah. and then actually being in a place where they are ready and confident to meet people and talk about their work as well which yeah. is obviously the main part of um the fair days it itself
1: and I'd say also look I'm really open and honest about this right. I you know I don't think the fair is for every artist I totally appreciate that there's a real terrifying aspect to showing your work I question if I was not whether I'd even do it you know and I come from a sales background so I know how difficult it is but I think, you know, we, knowing this, we do try and help artists as much as possible and have as many conversations with them as possible. And, um, you know, the preparation and the lead-up to each fair, I mean, is something we take very seriously. And you know, also we say, don't just stand on the booth on your own. Get somebody along that knows your work, a friend or a colleague or whoever it may be, that can also engage in conversation.
0: Our last question is about marketing, I think. Um, the question is, actually, I've been accepted to the art fair. What can I do to make the best of the experience?
1: OK. Um, the first thing I would say is certainly to turn up to our workshop, which we run uh, between six weeks and a month out from the event. And it's really just, a, and actually, it's partly around sort of the logistical and practical side of exhibiting with us. Um, but also then the second part is very much focused on the marketing. So it's giving advice on what to do in the lead up to the fair. Um, I mean, it's all, and just sort of generally speaking, it's almost like we recommend for each artist to be almost running their own small marketing campaign in the lead up to it. So it's, you know, posting on their social media, um, it's inviting people along, obviously all the artists get free tickets that they can distribute. Um, It's reaching out to people. It's sort of creating that, it's almost like what a gallery would do if they were doing an art fair. And what they'll be doing is they'll put together their their pack of, um, their sales pack, of all the works they're gonna be showing. And before actually getting on site, they would send that to all of their buyers or their potential collectors. And get, you know, even going as far as like asking people if they were interested in reserving some work. And then they can come along and see it face to face and actually make a decision whether they want to buy it or not. So, I mean, you can go that far if you'd like to. I mean, I don't know how many people actually do. Um, but it's just really getting that excitement building up before actually coming on the site. Because ultimately, it's a big investment for anybody, whether it's £100 or £5,000. I think, you know, buying an artwork is not always a sort of, spur the moment decision that you make. It's so much consideration often that goes into it, especially if you share a living space with somebody. You often want their opinion as well. So if you can do a little bit of homework in the lead up to the event, then it puts it in people's minds beforehand. And I remember always remember, God, back so many years ago now, I, did, I think it was like 19 or something, I did this sales course. And so I was doing telesales at the time. And somebody said they had to, I think the statistic is you need to see or hear about something seven times before you make a decision on it. So just seeing the work for the first time at the fair, it's gonna be a lot harder to sell it than if you you know, include it in a the newsletter, then put it on your social media, then email it to somebody, and then sort of build up that in that way.
0: I think some Google stats I read um, a while ago actually say that's gone up to about 10 Is it? Uh, touch points now that you need to see something before yeah. you buy it. And that's quite true. when you think that this is why retargeting ads actually really works. Not that we're yeah. expecting artists to do that, but I think um, I found that artists are kind of quite reluctant to share the same images of their artwork. Yeah. But when you kind of look at it through the lens of well, actually, your audience need to be, uh, let's say, educated or nurtured or exposed to your artwork multiple times through whatever, like you say, your newsletter, social media, your website, yeah. all the all the different ways, you know, before they're actually you know pr- prepared to part with some money
1: for it. Yeah. Absolutely,
0: Ryan. Thank you so much for being my guest on this episode. Uh, where can people find you online?
1: Um, so they can find us at theotherartfair.com, the website, and then Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook through just the other art. Fair.
0: Fabulous. I will add all of that into the show notes. And thanks so much again. let's cool, See you. you soon.
1: The curator
0: salon hopes you enjoyed this production.